Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you so much for tuning in. We are ready to rock with another edition of uh, Stand Up For The Truth podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of issues today, national, world, global, and local. And uh, we've got Pastor Chris Quintana back with us, and you may remember him from uh, teaching in uh, Southern California at Calvary Chapel, Cypress. He's been in Texas for several years now, and uh, he loves Bible prophecy like, like we do probably even more than us. And uh, he has a great love for teaching God's Word. And you can get more info on Chris, of course, at Old Path Ministries. And the website is oldpaththeology.net. Pastor Chris, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Well, thank you for having me, David. It's been uh, been a little while. It's good to good to hear your voice again. Yes, it's been too long. Um, we're going to get your take on a lot of headlines and a lot of events. I want to talk about what you're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. But first, I just want to give a teaser there. I didn't know it was Earth Day. So we are going to talk about what the heck that is and why. Uh, celebrate Earth Day, a.k.a. there is no God and all humans are the problem. Um, so we're going to celebrate. We're, we're going to talk about that. Also, another one bites the dust. I saw a headline that a Hillsong pastor in Boston resigned. So we got to think uh, Arizona, Boston, New Jersey, wherever, Uh, They're dropping like flies. Um, I want to get your response to that. Also, uh, Biden boosts Ukraine aid, another $1.3 billion of our money, Uh, because I don't know where he's getting it other than from the American taxpayers. So he's giving Ukraine a lot of money. Is that a good move? And what's behind that? Also, math is racist. I'm looking at a textbook in some public schools. It says a pathway to equitable math instruction, dismantling racism in mathematics. So, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, God bless him. Uh, that's how I heard about this. He's uh, fighting against that. And what else here? Oh, that's right. Um, the media don't trust them on their reporting on almost anything except for maybe the weather. Um, and National Day of Diversity and Benign Prayer uh, and Religious Pluralism coming up May 5th, as it does every year. We've got a story on that to talk about. But uh, And uh, also an update from a friend of mine who's a missionary. I can't mention his name, but he was just recently in Ukraine, and he's got some prayer requests. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But, Pastor Chris, you are coming to the Prophecy Conference up here in Appleton, Wisconsin, next week, and then you've got a big trip to Israel coming up. Tell us about that. Mm, well, um, yeah, the, the trip to Israel has been, on, uh, it's been postponed again and again and again. Um, we had a, a trip planned for March of 2020, and we all know what happened in March of 2020. And uh, we've never been able to get back um, until they pulled the vaccine mandates uh, at the beginning of March. And so we started making plans, and we're set to go. Um, uh, gosh, the 9th of uh, the 9th of uh, of May here, it will land on the 10th there. And I genuinely don't know what to expect once we get there. Hmm. I do know that the country's open, though. Yes, that's praise God. Well, I'm glad you're, you're going to be leading a tour there, taking a group to Israel. Um, we don't hear a lot in our news, in uh, at least in America here. We don't hear enough about Israel and the truth of what's happening there on the ground. So we, we appreciate people like Amir Sarfati and others who report from there and give us updates. And he just recently uh, had something over at Harbinger's Daily, uh, they uh, share his articles or blogs, uh, Mideast Review, uh, Tense Jerusalem right now. So uh, we'll be praying for your protection, Chris. But I see over on your Facebook page that Lord Anthony Fauci says that <laughs> the end of plain mask mandate is unfortunate uh, when the judge superseded. So the Biden administration is going to fight this because they can't allow Americans to have freedom and, and go back to anything close to what we had before. Um, and what's, what, is, what do you think is going to—I know it's speculation, but with the Biden administration fighting this, with Lord Fauci coming out and others who are leaders that were once respected, I don't know what people 
generally think of him. Now, I know what many Christians think of him and people that know the truth and actually know true science think of him. But your take on this, because now they're going, "Uh uh-uh, no, this is not a good idea. What what are your thoughts? Um, Well, we've been able to see how they've parlayed the panic that's been in the in the public for so long into all kinds of insane things policy wise mm-hmm. plus it really helped them to secure an election so um i have a feeling that's part of it and um the idea that we could go back to some semblance of normal is genuinely a terrifying thing to them and global elites as as we know from the reset and all the rest the idea that they could be making decisions for everyone rather than people making them for themselves is just anathema to them. So do you think it's because they know, you know, when we say they, we're really putting a lot of people in that camp of the, the globalists, the, the Democrat socialists, the God haters, the population control, uh, everybody in the new, uh, the new world order, a new, uh, the uh, world economic forum, these guys, the Bill Gates, the Anthony, Anthony Fauci's, the, Yuval Hararis and all these Bidens, there he's dedicated to the Great Reset. So is that because they know that they've made a lot of progress, and if you pull back some of these policies or restraints, so to speak, people are going to start living their lives again, maybe, and they're afraid of that because right now they have a sense of control. Do you think that's accurate? Oh, sure. Read the uh, the World Economic Forum's uh, page on the Great Reset. They see this, in their words, quote, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So they recognize that with what happened to the world through COVID and really through the propaganda of COVID, COVID was a real virus. We caught it. That's not the question. The reaction to it is where it became just such a, a such a dystopian freak show worldwide but they realize that people in that kind of a place of fear are much more compliant. And so they saw it as an opportunity. Again, they're blatant about it. It's right there when you go to the Great Reset uh, portion of the World Economic Forum's website. Hmm. We are definitely living in prophetic times, and we've been talking a lot about that in, in our next our Christian circles um, and your church, your friends, and our acquaintances and brothers and sisters, our fellowships. Um, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot spoken about that at the Prophecy Conference. Um, but I want to mention a great article that really opened up just some neat ideas that, that I went, wow, people need to hear about this. And this is by Jonathan Brentner, an article called Ukraine. It's what people don't see that matters. And he just simply starts off by saying the current war in Ukraine is not a battle between the good and the bad guys. It has everything to do with the setting up of a one world government. Both sides favor a new world order, but are they fighting for the same version of it? So we're going to talk about that in a minute with Pastor Chris um, and just get your take on Zelensky versus Putin. But I want to share some thoughts from a friend of mine who's a missionary and was just in Ukraine. And he said the greatest need is prayer. And he really wanted to inform the church uh, just to earnestly pray about what's happening on the ground over there. Uh, 4.5 million refugees fled Ukraine. Approximately uh, over 6 million are displaced. Um, there's a curfew until 10 p.m. The, but that, there are missionaries going over there to help. And so, Chris, this is the part that we don't hear in the media, obviously, because they don't care about the, the, the little people necessarily, unless they can use deaths and stats to further their cause of fear-mongering. So um, just what's your encouragement to people here in the West about looking at this situation over there and the people that are hurting in the church over there? Yeah, and this would be, I think anybody, I don't care what you think you've heard, what you think that you believe, um, it's funny the way that they've framed it, that it's either you're for Zelensky or you're for Putin. They've they've made it such a, a ridiculous wager that <laughs> it makes people not even want to engage. So there are people that are, the, the common people are suffering immensely in that part of the world. Yes. And um, just think about what it's like in the surrounding countries taking in that number of refugees. It really does affect everyone. So, you know, there's never been a time in my life that I've liked Vladimir Putin. Um, and everything that I know of Zelensky, I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him. Mm. So I don't like either one of the guys, not on a personal level, but what they're about. And Ukraine... Uh, if you look at every country on earth to try to find one that's more corrupt than Ukraine is, 
uh, you have to look long and hard to find it. So that's really where the focus of everybody is. But like you say, the, the humanitarian crisis, other than lip service, yeah. people genuinely don't understand just what's taking place with the people there. And they're the victims in this whole thing. Yes. And an urgent need that my friend sent in this uh, email to me, um, and he left uh, safely, uh, Ukraine, but he said uh, Russian and Ukraine speakers to interpret and translate, uh, especially for ministry, that's needed over there. Tourniquets, painkillers, antibiotics, and those are urgently needed over there as well still. So as we're <laughs> the Biden administration is another one point three billion um, to, to help the, the cause. Right. So he, he's sending all kinds of what, what do I have in this article here? Um, the Pentagon confirmed um, howitzers, 72 vehicles to tow the howitzers and 144,000 artillery rounds more than 121 tactical drones and other field equipment and spare parts. So we're really helping the cause, right? Uh, Chris, so um, where where do you see this heading? Do you think this is going to blow up, or do you think, I mean, it seems like people have used the word stalemate because Putin hasn't been able to get as far as I guess he wanted to at first. What, what are your thoughts? And it depends on who you ask. Yes. <laughs> I, was listening, <laughs> I was listening to a, a, a guy uh, yesterday, just yesterday, and who has you know a military background, and he basically said, go look at a map and see what it takes to get something from Poland to the front lines of eastern Ukraine. Hmm. And uh, he said, you'll understand the logistical problem of trying to get anything out to the front line. So um, he said, you know, basically we're sending a bunch of armor and a bunch of, uh, of equipment, you know, offensive equipment, but we have no idea if it will ever reach its destination and whose hands will it ultimately fall into. We don't know. And he uses, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and Southeast Asia, you know, every time that we've had a major incursion somewhere and we flood the area with with uh, with weapons. Yeah. You never know who's going to get them. Exactly. So, oh, boy, have we learned that, huh? Yeah, well, we should have. But um, when I heard that, then they were saying there was another five hundred million that's slated to pay the salaries of the politicians there. Now, that, and, you know, mm. I, in the back of our minds, I think we all ought to pay attention to just how absolutely up to their necks in the corruption of Ukraine, both um, not only Hunter, but the entire Biden crime family was yep. as far as their dealings in Ukraine. And I, you, you wonder how much of this is even to hush things. I, it's hard to say. Thank you for putting it that way. We have so much corruption that we have just kind of looked the other way you know, because, well, of course, the media won't report it. Um, the whole Hunter Biden story, that's for another time. And we've talked about that. And we've talked about how Media Research Center has done a good job of documenting our so-called media sources in America and how little attention since that story broke in 2020, the month before the election, to cover for Hunter Biden and his dad. So um, this is disturbing, Chris. Uh, do, is this going to come back and affect us Financially, they already authorized, they apparently bipartisan legislation last month, $13.6 billion in Ukraine aid. And you just mentioned, yeah, another $500 million to finance their government. Their government is corrupt. They are supporters, globalists, from what I understand, and supporters of the Great Reset and the New World Order. And that, that means eventually they've got to take America down if they want to get to this New World Order. What, what do you think about that? Well, the chaos, it, it, it just loves a vacuum. And so um, what they want to do, they're going to say, we're going to bring order. But their order to you and me would be disorder because it's a complete upheaval of, of human rights, though they say they're the champions of it. Mm. While we were talking, I pulled up that, that website of the Great Reset. And let's just, this is a great snapshot in time. For people to think this has been in print for over a year, going on almost two years now, this has been up on the World Economic Forum. When they call the context and just add any crisis into this, Ukraine fits the narrative just as well as COVID-19. But they said the COVID-19 crisis and the political, economic and social disruptions it has caused is fundamentally changing the traditional context for decision making. The inconsistencies, inadequacies, and contradictions of multiple systems, from health and financial to energy and education, are more exposed than ever amidst the global context of concern for lives, livelihoods, and the planet. Hmm. 
Leaders find themselves at a historic crossroads managing short-term pressures against medium and long-term uncertainties. That's the context, and then here's the opportunity. They call it this. It's Mm. the opportunity. As we enter a unique window of opportunity to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economies, the priority of societies and the nature of business models, and the management of global commons. Drawing from the vision and vast expertise of leaders engaged across the forum's communities, the Great Reset Initiative has a set of dimensions to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. Mm. And if it was just a bunch of goofballs in some think tank somewhere, that would be one thing. Take a look at who's involved with this, and you're talking about the who's who of, of the entire world society. Wow. Thank you for bringing that That's up chilling. again. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's amazing that so few people pay attention to that. Um, but as students of Bible prophecy, we've got to look at these things and remind people, they are. If this is a website you can go online and read. They are saying these things, and they're, my goodness, Yuval Harari saying things like, humans are hackable animals, and there is, you think that you know, there's a resurrection? That's fake news, the story of Jesus being the Son of God. They're come, coming right out and saying this, so they've got to eliminate the worldview of, of true biblical Christianity, and what's happening in the North America, our freedoms, our constitution, they've got to take it down in order to fulfill their plans. But I want to wrap up this segment. We've got three and a half minutes, Pastor Chris, um, with that, that email from my friend, a missionary who's now back in the States after being in Ukraine. He said, it's been hard, it was hard to see the tears, men hugging their wives and children before family are separated, the tough but uneasy soberness of soldiers and mercenaries and the wheelchairs of children with legs bandaged, uh, could not take many photos, really didn't want to, because some tragedy is too private. He said, but good thing our faith and confidence is in Christ Jesus alone and the authority of Scripture. Otherwise, it would be too difficult to endure. This crisis is not getting better, and it could escalate. Um, our purpose as Christians and in ministry is firm. Our job does not change. Our mission remains steadfast. Our goal is never altered. We are to testify to the truth of the gospel of God's grace. We are to declare the praises of the one who calls us out of darkness in life and in death. Uh, Chris, in the last couple minutes, just uh, share some encouragement, you know, piggybacking on on his incredible perspective there. Yeah, it's, uh, when you, when you read that, it's, it's the, it's from a man who's got an eyewitness perspective. Mm -hmm. He's seen it with his own eyes. And then what do you do with what you've seen? And so the encouragement is is terrific. There's the real genuine face-to-face needs in the physical sense. Then there's also that that appeal and that call to this the spiritual condition of things as well. Because uh, again, if you could snap your fingers and make everything go back to normal, the people who don't know um, of a savior who's risen and who loves them and who has given him his life as a sacrifice is is still lost on them. Mm. So. Understanding and having some perspective is very, very helpful. Amen, brother. Amen. So there's a verse. <clears throat> when we come back after our break, we're going to talk about Earth Day a little bit, but we are going to dive into this article called uh, Ukraine. It's what people don't see that matters, and it's by Jonathan Brentner. Uh, we had him on last month on the podcast. But Romans 1.20 is a good, good place to just remind us. It says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. And we know in Romans 8 it talks about all creation eagerly groaning and wanting the the revelation of the sons of men, looking for renewal. And so we are going to talk about what it means that that even the earth is groaning, and yet There's a new understanding today of what celebrating Earth Day means, and it didn't start off that way. So we'll do a little bit of reminiscing, talk about that, and get into this article. Um, Just talk about Zelensky and Putin and the Ukraine and the Great Reset. A little bit more on Stand Up for the Truth with Pastor Chris Quintana. Thank you so much for keeping with us, friends.
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest I is... I asked him, and he didn't even take a second to think about it. He went right to it. it oh, my hilarious. goodness. Oh, my goodness. We're back with Pastor Chris. Um, gosh, I, some of the things we talk about before we get back on the podcast, I wish we could share. But um, low-hanging fruit, if we get to this, Hillsong Boston Pastors, Pastors Josh and Leona uh, Kimes, and Ona saw the, the, his wife is a pastor. We, we, that's just what we were talking about. Um, so I just want to remind people before we continue here, um, we are so blessed by Red Pill Prince. Uh, they've got a page up. They, they're doing this just to serve us. We don't pay anything for this, but on their website, they've got some great products for Stand Up For The Truth gear, uh, sweatshirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, hats, uh, T-shirts, water bottles, and check them out. Go to stand, StandUpForTheTruth.com, and up in the uh, top bar it says Merch. It'll go right to their page, and they continue to add new products with our logo or, or with uh, Keep Speaking the Truth About Things That Matter, uh, just different things. Faith, I'm sorry, Truth Over Fear. They just put a new one, new shirt up. So go check out RedPillPrints.com. So we're taking a break f- for a little bit from the Ukraine-Russia subject because we are going to come back to that. And right now we've got to talk about what's going on here that I forgot about Earth Day, uh, investing in humanity. Chris, it's it's come to mean something different today because of the left and the environmental movement and uh, those that would, you know, reject God. And it's just all about humans to maintain the planet. And that's where the Green New Deal comes in and all this. But Share with us your thoughts on, I don't remember a lot of Earth Day activities when I was young. Uh, share with us your thoughts on this and a, a good Christian perspective on all this. Well, when it first was taking shape, uh, of course, I didn't have a biblical worldview, so it just <laughs> seemed like a bunch of, you know, basically hippies that started to get a little bit older but still wanted to do the same kind of stuff they were doing in the 60s without all the drugs. <laughs> and so it became a—sorry <laughs> about that— it became a um, almost a, its own little religion, and then as a believer coming to look at it, say, oh, okay, so these are people who genuinely do worship nature, mm-hmm. whether they realize it or not. And so what you find is that people were starting to see the, the earth as a living being, not that there are living things on it, but the, that it itself is a living thing. Mm-hmm. And so that goes back to earth worship of, you know, as, as long as there's been man, that has been one of the options. And so, again, it's, it's one thing to be concerned about ecology and doing your part to make sure that you're not doing damage to the environment. I get all that, and I try to be careful with that myself. It is an entirely different thing to put a day aside, because look at what people are doing during yeah. this day, and look at how they view the earth and we are getting to a Romans 1 kind of a thing where they worship the creation rather than the creator. Yes, yes. That becomes the problem. Exactly. And I'm looking at a page on Wikipedia right now on Gaia. Um, in Greek mythology, Gaia, and it's spelled G-A-I-A. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's also spelled G-A-E-A, but it's the personification of the earth. And Gaia mm-hmm. is the ancestral mother. Interesting that even Christians... Uh, fall into this trap sometimes. I did years and years ago. I used to say, yeah, yeah, Mother Earth. I wouldn't even bat an eye when they would say Mother Earth this and Mother Earth that. But now we understand the subtle, uh, almost almost like conditioning or programming about thinking about the Earth as not only a goddess but female and removing God the Father. Uh, That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Well, sure, because then you feminize the idea of a deity, in Mm. this case, not one with whom you can communicate, though you believe that it can communicate with you. Mm. So again, it's just one of many examples that you can find of an alternative to a singular, personal creator. Mm. So for the people that want to believe in this, this is their drug of choice when it comes to trying to explain the world in which they live. Mm. Unlike conferences that I've done recently on prophecy, we've been looking at world events, especially because the last two years has been absolutely, um, you know, just it's been life changing for everyone. And we've looked at that end of it. But most people are because they've been so distracted at that. If they care about prophecy, have not been watching the craziness going on in the church 
And what we now call progressive Christianity is really taking hold. And I'll be doing this as one of my my, uh, sessions in Appleton, but I'm reading from a website here called Progressive Christianity. And number one of their eight points says, we believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead us to an awareness and experience the sacred and the oneness and the unity of all life. Oh, my goodness. That's basically Earth Day. Huh. <clears throat> so there's a, a, a part of Christianity that absolutely denies traditional Christianity in favor of pretty much any variety of mm. earthly, secular views of life but they slap a Christian label on it so people can identify with it. Wow. And there are some creepy images on the web. I don't encourage you guys to go look at these things, but uh, there's one where Gaia, the ancient Greek goddess, is uh, she's sitting with her legs folded, as you would, uh, I guess, uh, you know, doing yoga or whatever, and her arms, it's almost as if she's pregnant, but she's not. It's the earth in her stomach, and that's it's that's colored blue. Her the rest of her body is green, and she, her hands are underneath her stomach, and that she so she's carrying the earth. And one of her breasts is, and this is a statue. One of her breasts is blue, and the other one is green. So there's the earth. She sustains the earth, almost like gives life to the earth. It's just really bizarre and creepy. But uh, Chris, this logically leads to. Um, if humans are the problem and there is no God, there's no God the Father, but there is no God, as we know, the Christian God, then you would think, all right, so people are harming the earth, and this is where the environmental movement comes in, so you've got to somehow control the population or limit the amount of people, or this is what they're doing with policy um, you know, throughout the world in different states and countries because man is the problem. So these environmental policies. So this, how, where is this going to go? Because people, it seems like more people are just going along with this and really not looking at what the cause is. And that, it, therein lies the problem. Um, I've heard people that are on the extreme environmentalist side of this with the new age bent to them. Uh, basically says that mankind is a virus and the earth is getting ready to purge the virus. Wow. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's some nutty stuff. It, mm. It's it's crazy. So you have everything from that to the people like the Bill Gateses and Ted Turner before him and many at the at the Great Reset World Economic Forum types that say that earth is, <clears throat> is grossly overpopulated and the ideal number is 500 million so that means you're basically needing to take about 7.5 billion people off the planet to get to their ideal. Um, so, you know, I've, I'm of the, of the opinion and always have been that um, there is going to be a rapture of the church prior to the tribulation. Hmm. And in order to explain that away, this will be one way that you can explain to the people who subscribe to this that the earth has just rid itself of the Christians who stand in the way of progress. Wow. Just one of many explanations for how it, there'll be a, an explanation for everybody who needs an explanation. The devil will see to it that he provides one for them. So for the new agey, you know, earth lovers, um, the, the earth has taken care of the problem. Wow. So it's, it's, it's not wrong. Uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, it's not wrong to appreciate God's creation as Christians. We should. Um, and because God created the heavens and the earth by his great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for him. Um, but when it goes to methods on how we can preserve the earth or conserve, that's when it gets to affecting people. You've got to limit somehow. You've, you've got to, you know, legislate or uh, depopulate. So, uh, Chris, it's interesting that some of the, the ideas of unity, you mentioned, I think, unity and that, that one of the things you're reading. Um, we've fallen into that even as Christians sometimes. We, we think it's it's the compassionate thing to unify. Well, I want to get your take on a new story that just came out on the National Day of Prayer. Uh, down in Florida, one of the school districts there decided to acknowledge the National Day of Prayer. Now we go, yay, yay, the schools are going to be revived. <laughs> yeah, right. But nonetheless, they did this Miami-Dade uh, school board, they did this, and then a woman got up by the name of Lubby Navarro, and she shared the power of prayer by mm-hmm. helping her 
through a difficult time when her daughter was in a coma and said that it's a good thing to have schools recognize the National Day of Prayer so students and, and administrators might seek God if they need help. But then she said she referred to God as creator, uh-oh, and she said he is Jesus Christ, and this offended people, of course. And so what they want is not what she wanted, because we know Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. But what, she, what they wanted was a, a day to kind of recognize and respect, and, and I'm looking for the quote here, um, all faiths, all religions, all beliefs, all practices, all colors, all creeds, all people, all children. In other words, keep God and the exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ out of it. Don't mention the name of Jesus. So, Chris, this is interesting. They tried, with good intentions maybe, to bring prayer back into the schools, just at least to recognize the National Day of Prayer, but they can't because of religious pluralism. And unless you're going to go with the coexist idea, which is against Christianity, then you can have religious pluralism. What do you think about this? I And just, yeah, just give me your thoughts. Well, if we were the type that were betting men, <laughs> the first time that they had a national day of prayer, mm-hmm. we would have started looking for what's the over and under until they corrupt it. Because mm. it's always going to get there. Yeah. They're going to find some kind of a way to co-opt a particular thing and turn it into something else. So the idea of prayer, when you and I would look at it, we say, well, of course we pray because we know that there is one who not only hears, but who is able to answer. Mm. Um, And then that opens up to these people who would disagree with us a real problem in that now you have to answer to him. Does he have any standards by which you must live? Is there other obligations that you have? Mm. And so they don't want that that discussion. So let's make it... A matter where you can pray to whoever you want, any yeah. way that you want. There's no, there's no guidelines. There's nothing that we can stand on and be quote dogmatic. So yeah, you expect this to get corrupted. And the way things go now, you could have the best idea on the planet as a Christian, and give it a couple of years, and it will start to decay yeah. uh, by the corruption of people trying to water down the original intent. Exactly. Good point. Just like Earth Day. And by the way, there are people. I've heard them. There are people that pray to the universe. Um, they pray to Mother Earth. They pray to Gaia. They pray to inanimate objects, and they pray to false gods. So let me ask you, Christian, conservative, uh, American, um, when are you not concerned? You might pray to, to the one true living God, but are you not concerned that other people are praying to dead gods and these idols in the universe? Because shouldn't we be committed to the only gospel that can save um, so I, I just don't get it when people say, yeah, but it's, it's a good thing. As long as they allow us, Chris, Christians, to pray to our God, then we're happy. Well, we shouldn't be happy j- with just that. We should still try to encourage them to come to the true living God. This is what we should do. And, and you know, <clears throat> again, a believer should just say, look, if I cannot pray as I've been taught, and I can't address the only God who is able to hear and answer, I'm not participating. But you find so many churches get themselves involved with all the interfaith stuff that they have, by lending their credibility to it just in name only, they have at that point just completely crashed their side of it because there is nothing that stands out. And I know this really, really makes people very uncomfortable and they hate hearing it, but I'm not here to, to say that Christianity is better than the others, I don't have to say that. Mm. I can go ahead and do a comparative on what the, the Christian faith teaches, and it, by definition, stands out from every other belief system that man has ever devised. Yes. And so if I can't, if I can't have my participation based upon that truth, what I find in, in the Scriptures, participating in it just means that you lend your credibility to something that is not credible. This, we have three minutes left. Um, This kind of leads us to a new Barna survey that they did research, and what they concluded was, and and you can respond to this, Chris, um, Christian parents' scrambled philosophy of life turns children away from Christianity. What that means is they're adapting uh, syncretism. They're adapting this quilt, this patchwork religious philosophy at times, taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and not holding to the truth of the gospel. In fact, 
um, just 29% of parents with preteen children think that the basis of truth is God revealed through the Bible. And then 24% of parents uh, view the Bible as their primary source of moral guidance, 24%. And there's these ideas that the belief that moral absolutes do not exist, there's 26%. So we've got a very confused generation raising kids now, and this is specifically targeting Christian parents saying, wait a minute, the reason your kids, one reason, other than the media and, and their influences, their peers and the public school system and everything else, your, the parents are also a reason that they are turning kids away from Christianity because they're their scrambled philosophy of life. Chris, just mm-hmm. respond to this. Um, I, you and I have had this conversation numerous times. Hmm. That rot has started and it began behind the pulpits. Ooh. So when you have people calling themselves pastors who will not who will not stand upon the authority of the Word of God and take that stand every single week, then you're going to find that that's making its trickle-down effect on the people sitting in the pews, because if it's not good enough for the pastor, he's not going to uh, herald that, so it won't be good enough for the people either. Mm. It's, again, corruption. Everything goes from a place of purity to a place of corruption given enough time just the, the, the way that humans are. So indirectly, Pastor Chris Quintana, what you're saying is things aren't getting better and, and naturally progressing into good. <laughs> no, no, right. everything's moving from, from order to disorder. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically spiritual entropy is what we're talking about. Yeah. Isn't there uh, a faction of, is it the Christian left, that they're saying that, you know, either things are getting better or we have to uh, t- reclaim you know, culture and all these things so that they will get better. Isn't there that uh, people that believe that? That is the main tenet of the new apostolic reformation. Mm-hmm. Of, do you find the charismatics are talking about revival in the country and taking back all of the ground that has been ceded to the, the, uh, the devil over the years? And they're the ones that are going to be empowered to do just that uh, by some brand new working of the Holy Spirit. That sounds great on paper, but it, it certainly isn't biblical. And then start to study their theology, and you realize neither are they. Mm. <laughs> wow, this is good. Um, we've got more ground to cover when we come back with Pastor Chris. We are going to talk about the Ukraine and what people don't see that matters. And we better be paying attention, friends. Scripture encourage us, encourages us to test all things. So we're going to see what Bill Koenig has to say, and we're also going to look at this article by Jonathan Brentner on Stand Up For The Truth. You can find it over at harbingersdaily.com. More in just a minute. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via standupforthetruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Pastor Chris Quintana, and we've now got to go back to the subject of Russia and Ukraine. Why? Because this is important, and a lot of people don't know all the all the things, all the pieces that are being moved here on this chessboard, if I could call it that. But both Putin and Zelensky apparently graduated from Klaus Schwab's School for the Young Global Leaders. Um, this is a, a what they're, they're what they're behind is a Marxist reordering of the world's economy under one world government. We talked about that. So let's talk about Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, Pastor Chris, and. He remains committed to this. Now, I know he's maybe he's trying to fight for his people, for his country, but there's corruption in this government, and uh, we're still sending money and help and aid and weapons and all that. Um, what are your thoughts on Zelensky, first of all, before we get to Putin? Well, when, when you, you're a guy who's taking over for a, an incredibly, entirely corrupt um, person before you, president before you, and you're overseeing a country that's known for its corruption, and basically it's one of the biggest laundering, you know, money laundering countries on the planet. If you're taking over for that guy and you don't have some genuine reforms, and then you attach yourself to people like Klaus Schwab mm. uh, and others, then I don't care how much of a hero you try to make out of him. He's not not the kind of guy that you want to be throwing all of your support behind as so many people are doing because Putin is such a bad guy. Hmm. Well, so is Zelensky uh, <laughs> from different places. Yep. And so I, it, it's hard to say 
for me personally, I can't pick a side between those guys. I can pick a side as far as the, the humanitarian things. And if people are being killed indiscriminately, yeah, I got a problem with that. So whoever is doing that is, is definitely a bad guy. But when we want to talk about the leader of both of the countries, I, I don't have a, a dog in the fight. I think that they're both very corrupt. And most people don't really know just the depth of that corruption. Mm -hmm. uh, I had J.B. Hickson was on with us on Monday, and he said, uh, I think he put it like, uh, it's, why, why choose between the evil of two lessers? <laughs> mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, so then there's, there's Biden. And why don't more Americans or maybe Democrats, are, why aren't they concerned that he's been an outspoken supporter of Zelensky, Zelensky in Ukraine, obviously sending them all this money, but their administration seems to be committed to the Great Reset, and yet we're, we have been trying to get people to understand the where is that going to lead if you are supporting this Great Reset? Uh, people aren't connecting the dots, and Putin uh, boasted about his 30-year uh, friendship with Klaus Schwab, and so we know these key players are now in the world, on the, on the stage, the big stage, and the world sees this. And um, I, is it that we're not getting the details in the news, or is it the news is framing it a certain way? Um, what do you, I know what you think about the media, but can you, can you bring some clarity to this? Well, if, um, if I was having to try to make sense of what I see around us, um, the the installation of Joe Biden as president was perfect for these times. Mm. Um, as much as I dislike everything that he is doing, I can't hold him completely responsible. Basically, this is a man who I don't think has enough awareness to even grasp what he's doing. Mm. Um, so what you really have are the people behind the scenes, the, the people that are pulling the strings of the puppet. And I'm sorry if that sounds uncharitable, but anybody can watch him and realize this man has no awareness. Mm -hmm. So the idea that he is somehow charting the course of what we're doing as a nation is just it, it's laughable that anybody actually would believe that. So he's the perfect person to rubber stamp moving our country in the direction of the Great Reset because he doesn't have the ability to articulate anything He's able to just have everything done for him. Today, he's going to be in Seattle. And what he's going to speak about in Seattle is not the crime, not the homelessness, not the horrible government that is in Seattle and Washington in particular. He's going to be talking about climate change. Mm. Okay, ah, so, yeah. okay, then we're not talking about the, the, what's the old saying, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. He's not going to talk about real matters. He's going to talk about fairy tales. Yeah. And, John Kerry is all over this. He's been all over the news about this as well. And the things that they want to do to crash the economy of this country, even worse than it already is, look at their objectives for 2035. Mm. Wow, let's get through 2022 first. And I know there's a big 2030 agenda, and you just mentioned 2035. I don't think most of our minds can go there right now. Um, let's, let's talk about the connection that's become very, well, I was going to say no, exposed or well-known, but it's not. Uh, Russia's connection, Putin's connection with China. It seems like they are locking arms in this. Uh, they're, they're going to have a much greater role in the new world order um, because Ukraine has become the focal point in this battle. But Russia and China seemingly uh, seemingly at odds. But they uh, can you explain this, Chris, what you've heard about this uh, relationship? Sure. And I think if we can, again, put the personalities, the history and everything aside, what do we come to other than they have a similar ideology? So communism, by its very definition, is incredibly authoritarian. The, the Chinese never left it, but we bought into the lie, starting with Gorbachev, that Russia was going to transition from communism to a free market. Right. All we know is that, that the people that were closest to the government are now referred to as oligarchs and billionaires. But the idea of a structure of country, they never really fully left the idea of communism because the, the government still held all the cards and could pick and choose the winners and losers. So now it's becoming much more authoritarian in Russia. And who knows how much more so it will be when all the dust settles from Ukraine. But try to look for somebody else in the world that will have your back based on ideology and you have him as a neighbor just directly to your, your basically southeast. Mm. 
Now, I, I want to bring some perspective in, in here, another perspective that people sometimes maybe uh, accuse us of missing. And, and the fact is we are not fear-mongering. We're not trying to stir up anybody's emotions for any purpose at all that would serve us. We're trying to just look at these events through the lens of Scripture. And so I think it's important to remind people that God's sovereignty rules over all, and uh, we forget this his this unseen force that's at work, and this is going to eventually bring in the Antichrist, who will briefly rule. But we have to remember nothing can happen apart from God's appointed timing. Chris, we are we have been addressing these things, and we we have lost not very many because I think we have a pretty good, healthy, or mature uh, Christian audience that listen to the podcast. But every now and then, we have someone just as a couple weeks ago call and say, "You know what, you guys." are just fear-mongering when you're talking about all this prophecy and you're speculating, and I'm going to go listen to a, you know another station. I'm not going to tune in anymore. And that's fine. People can do that. And I know not everybody can handle some of the things that are happening, particularly on the world stage, and look at the end times. But isn't that what the Bible teaches? It's funny that you say that because I am currently teaching through the book of now Second Thessalonians. Ooh. So taking the premise of what that person says, the underlying belief behind that is that everything is going to continue on just as it always has, which is very much the, the beginning part of Second Peter chapter 3. Hmm. All things have just continued on since the prophets. Remember, that's what the scoffers would say. Where's <laughs> Jesus? You've been telling me he's coming. Yeah. So that idea that, that things are just going to continue on unchanged really misses the point. And so for those people to say, you know, you can't talk so much about prophecy and all that because it's really hard to figure out, and some churches just avoid it altogether. Well, consider that Paul wrote back to the church at Thessalonica um, about a year after he had left it, and he was only there with them for probably about a month. And, Mm. you know, some people would speculate maybe a little longer than that. No matter how you slice it, he left that church in its infancy. Mm -hmm. And he writes back to them, chapter 4 and chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, and says, especially in, I think it's verse 2 of chapter 5, he said, you know these things perfectly. Well, how do they know these things perfectly? It's the day of the Lord stuff. How do they know it unless he instructed them in the weeks that he had with them? Mm. He writes back to them in Second Thessalonians 2, mm. verse 3, and he says, or is it verse 5, but it's right in that area, and he says, I told you these things while I was with you. So two of the books that are probably the best of single volumes about eschatology and the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord, the wrath of God outside of Revelation, Mm -hmm. was written by Paul to a church that was in its infancy, and he taught them while he was there and then reinforced it through writing after the fact, and it's all about what we're talking about. And this, it's very interesting that you bring that up and that you got it exactly right. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, Do you not remember that while I was with you, I was telling you these things? So, yeah, excellent. And by the way, this article at Harbinger's Daily that we're kind of going through here, it does quote <clears throat> excuse me, Second Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 8, about the restrainer. And you know what, what does it say? And you know what restrains him now so that he will be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. Chris, you just recently posted something on your Facebook um, about the mystery. And I think you I think you were, that was in reference to mystery Babylon. Um, so can you can you share a little bit of that? Sure. And Paul, this is a rhetorical device he used constantly where he would talk about mystery. And when he would mention a mystery, he speaks of it in terms of the mystery that was to previous generations, but it has now been revealed to us. Yes. When When you read that passage out of Revelation 17, when it identifies Babylon the Great, in our English it has a comma. And so when I hear people say mystery Babylon, they're missing the point. It's mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlotries and the abominations of the earth. So in verse 7 of, um, of Revelation 17, the, the angel reveals who this or what this mystery is, and he, he is revealing who Babylon the Great is. So her name is not Mystery Babylon. Her name is Babylon the Great, and the mystery is being revealed in the book of Revelation, and she's revealed as the person who gave life to to harlotries, spiritually speaking, and the abominations of the earth. 
Mm. We've got, boy, three minutes left, and um, I'm kind, kind of, yeah, we just opened up a can. <laughs> I'm just kind of trying to decide where to go. How about this, Chris? Um, and, and again, we could do an hour on, on the day of the Lord. Uh, for mm-hmm. some, maybe, maybe some younger Christians think that that's the return of Jesus, maybe the rapture, but that's not the D, capital Day of the Lord, that's prophesied in the Old Testament. Can you just clarify the thoughts? I know we only have a few minutes, but the Day of the Lord is an important uh, subject in Bible prophecy. Sure. Hebrew word yom, and it is sometimes meant as a 24-hour cycle. Other times you can, you can look at it and see it's clearly speaking about something that's more than a calendar day, 24 hours. It's speaking about an era of time, and the context will tell you whether or not you're talking about a literal 24-hour day or just a span of time. Mm. So when we look at the Day of the Lord, some people would look at it differently. I personally believe that the Day of the Lord is describing everything that God does in his culmination of his dealings with humanity as we know it, beginning at the rapture, culminating with Jesus coming back at the second coming, Revelation chapter 19, and the interval of time, roughly seven years, give or take, you know, how much time there was from the rapture, you're basically talking about the day of the Lord is as he executes the judgment of Almighty God, and that's done through the seals, the bowls, or the uh, trumpets, and then the bowls, and it's all laid out for us. So the day of the Lord is a period of time in this context, uh, speaking about pretty much, I believe, the entirety from the rapture to his second coming and the setting up and the establishing of his kingdom. Hmm. Wow, that's a pretty wide uh, span, you know, with under the day of the Lord, isn't it? Sure, and it yeah. doesn't have to be confined to anything because, again, it's referred to as the wrath of God. And show me what part is from the first seal being opened. I believe in a literal hermeneutic of that. It's two billion people are dead by the fourth seal. That's hmm. pretty wrathy to me. Yeah, exactly. So that's at the front end. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your perspective on all these issues and on events and and prophecy, Pastor Chris. I want to mention to everybody in the Northeast Wisconsin area, he will be at the uh, Calvary Chapel Appleton uh, Prophecy, Great Lakes Prophecy Conference, April 29 through May 2nd. And that includes Jim Fletcher, Gary Ka, Bill Koenig, Jeff Solwald, and uh, Chris will be there. Uh, Brother, uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, keep speaking the truth. I know you will. Thank you, David. Uh, I look forward to seeing you. All right. Blessings. All right, guys. So, man, this uh, went by fast. It, it just always does when you're just asking about people that know what's going on around us. And it's just great to be able to uh, just get a great perspective that maybe we forget about sometimes or maybe we need to hear. But uh, Monday, we've got Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project. He's got a brand new book out we'll be talking about. And then our fundraiser next week, Q Drive, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, So we're thankful that we can go to you and you continue to support our station and our podcast. So God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.